0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Hey, friends. Thanks for joining our podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called Patreon.com slash BP Show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash bpshow. patreon.com slash bpshow.
2: Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at youtube.com slash thebillpressshow.
1: James Comey gets fired by the wrong person for the wrong reason. Hey, what do you say? Hello, everybody. Wednesday, May 10. (laughs) Boy, may seem a little different this morning, may look a little different this morning. It is a lot different this morning after this bombshell hit the nation. uh, Starting here in Washington, D.C., late yesterday afternoon, Donald Trump sending the letter to James Comey. He's watching. He's giving a speech in Los Angeles and notice the television screens announcing that he has been fired. How do you like finding that out from the president of the United States? And the repercussions of that are just causing Washington DC to tremble like it does after an earthquake and is going to continue for a long time at the White House, at Cap on Capitol Hill, and all around the country. Good to see you today. Thank you for joining us. I know you want to sound off about this. You know how to do so. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show starting right now. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Uh, With all the news of the day and the Comey firing is just about all the news of the day in its many dimensions, what it means for Donald Trump, what it means for the Russian investigation, what it means for moving forward, what it means for Republican confidence in Republican confidence, confidence of Republicans in their president. We'll tackle it all. Get right to it. But first, this is the, the Full computer. Court Press. Yes,
3: indeed. Just a little of of stories making news. Congratulations to this woman in Spartanburg, South Carolina. We do not have her name yet, but she walked into a uh, gas station. She bought a $10 lottery ticket. And she won $250,000. That's South all right. Carolina. We'll pay for her gas. Yeah, right. Pay for gas. Well, so uh, she was asked, what did you do after you found out that she won? And she says, I put the ticket in my bra and I went to Walmart. Because she was on her way to Walmart yeah. anyway. Yeah. She said if yeah. she wasn't going to stop her from getting her chores done. She scratched off this ticket for $250,000. Put it away in her bra. You can buy a lot of bras at Walmart with two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I guess. Uh, so I guess you know, don't let it get in the way of, you know, actually getting your chores done.
1: I'd like to see her uh, walk out of Walmart with two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of merchandise. Man, she'd have to have one a great one of those great big carts. That's a lot of merchandise. Like they have a Costco. That's a lot know? of merchandise. Yeah. Uh,
3: Bernie Sanders was out uh, giving a speech at the Carter Center in Atlanta. This was on Monday, and uh, he got up and he talked all about the uh, problems with our political system. He talked about inequality in this country. He said that we needed to help people. When it was over, Jimmy Carter got up and said, you'll see why I voted for him?
1: <laughs>
3: not something we didn't know, but apparently know. Jimmy Carter voted for Bernie Sanders in the Democratic primary in Georgia. Didn't come out and do it publicly, waited until now to say it, but that's a big deal.
1: It's a big deal. It would have been a bigger deal and a better deal if Jimmy Carter had done it during the campaign. It would have helped Bernie Sanders where he needed help. Yeah. Uh, First of all, nationwide, but also particularly in the South. Uh, And here is a disturbing story from West Virginia. At the West
3: Virginia Capitol, Tom Price, the U.S. Secretary of Health and Human Services, a special counsel to the President, uh, Kellyanne Conway, were there. And there was a reporter, a man by the name of Dan Heyman. He's in Charleston, West Virginia. He was arrested yesterday because he yelled a question to Conway and to Price. Now, really? They, he was charged with causing a disturbance, a uh, willful disruption of governmental process, is what he was charged with. So a reporter asking a question of our officials gets you arrested in West Virginia. A very disturbing story buried with the Comey News, of course. Well,
1: who filed the charges? Who do you think? Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions. God. What a thin-skinned bunch. Starting at the very top.
2: On your radio, on TV,
1: and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. Wednesday, May 10. What a day. What a big bit of news to chew on today. Hello, everybody. Great to see you. It is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from our nation's capital, where we all learned late yesterday afternoon that Donald Trump had taken the axe to yet another person who is investigating him. Donald Trump, this time taking the axe to James Comey. Whoa. Something you're going to want to talk about. Here we are, and we'll jump right to it as we come to you live on YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Great to see you on Free Speech TV. Hello, Chicago, and the great suburbs around Chicago. Great to see you on WCPT. And uh, don't forget, check out our podcast every day. Uh, Go to iTunes or uh, BillPressShow.com. Uh, listen to the entire show uh, every day, later in the day, whatever. And check out our f- extra special content over and above uh, our two hours of broadcast every day on Patreon, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash BP Show. Did I get it all? You nailed it, man. Man, I don't yeah. know. We're on so many platforms today, it's hard to keep up with. By the way, we got a couple notes
3: uh, from our Greta interview. That is up oh, on Patreon. yes. People yes. said they're very thankful that we're doing new and uh, interesting stuff. We got a lot of uh, people who contributed at the $10 mark yesterday, which means we're going to do a private live video stream coming up here very soon for those people. Uh, but if you want to get the Greta interview and some of the other stuff that we have coming up, all you have to do is $5, commit to $5 a month, and you get all kinds of content. Uh, So go check it out. Patreon dot com slash BP show.
1: Yes, indeed. All right. Let's jump into the James Comey. Let's say, first of all, uh, no tears shed for James Comey. Uh, He is a man uh, who came to the Justice Department uh, with a um, reputation for honesty and integrity. He certainly displayed that back in the George W. Bush days when, uh, remember, uh, he was uh, acting attorney general. Uh, John Ashcroft, the attorney general, the White House counsel. He was in the hospital. The White House counsel rushed over there to get John Ashcroft to sign some uh, order that George W. Bush wanted. I forget exactly now what the content was. And uh, uh, Comey believed it was unconstitutional what the White House was trying to do, uh, if not illegal. And and I guess that makes it illegal. He rushed over to uh, Ashcroft's hospital room. Uh, when uh, Alberto Gonzalez arrived, Comey said to uh, the Attorney General, don't sign that. It's unconstitutional. And John Ashcroft refused to sign it. Uh, Comey gets high marks for that. But after being appointed FBI director by President Obama in uh, 2013, it's a 10-year term, by the way, so he had about six years left on his term, uh, he proved to be uh, a, a, certainly Most recently, uh, an inept and incompetent uh, director of the FBI, uh, particularly demonstrated by the way he handled the Hillary Clinton emails. We remember famously last July, July 5, 2016, when in an unprecedented move, because the FBI never talks about things, their investigations while they're underway, uh, and never reveals the conclusions of their reports unless they request the criminal charges be filed. And the FBI director himself never goes out in front uh, and releases the findings or announces the findings of the FBI before reporting to the attorney general. But that's exactly what James Comey did July 5, 2016.
4: Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws governing the handling
2: of
3: classified information, there is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information.
1: And then, of course, flash forward, uh, as if that were not bad enough, to October 28, when James Comey announced that he was, in a letter uh, to members of Congress, that he was reopening the investigation, because, he said at the time, there were hundreds, maybe thousands, of emails whom Abedin uh, had sent to her husband, Anthony Weiner, top secret, high high national security emails that she had sent to Weiner so Weiner could print them out. That proved to be true. There might have been a few. There were not hundreds. There were certainly not thousands. Uh, And uh, that October 28th, Hillary Clinton, others say, is, is, was the principal factor uh, in her losing the election to Donald Trump. And just last week in his testimony to Congress, James Comey still defended his actions of October 28th.
3: Look, this was terrible. It makes me mildly nauseous to think that we might have had some impact on the election. But honestly... It wouldn't change the decision. Everybody who disagrees with me has to come back to October 28th with me and stare at this and tell me what you would do.
1: Yeah. Maybe you would have shut your mouth before you (laughs) knew what was on those emails because it turned out there was nothing new in those emails and just a few that have been forwarded again by Huma Abedin to her husband. At any rate, the point is not to feel sorry for James Comey. Barack Obama should have fired James Comey last October. That's what should have happened. Instead... Donald Trump fired James Comey yesterday, and not for the right reasons. Not as he said, because James Comey had treated Hillary Clinton so badly. He fired James Comey, let's be honest, because James Comey was also leading an investigation into possible collusion between the Trump administration and the Russian government. Period. End of story. That's what it was all about.
3: Now, Someone had pointed out that the Obama administration had very seriously considered firing Comey after this all sort of uh, came—the letter first kind of happened, right, in June or July. And the calculation on the Obama administration was, well, we can't do that because if we do (laughs) that— It'll look like— Well, if we do that, then there's a good chance that that seat will stay open until Donald Trump becomes president, if that's the way that this goes— that Donald Trump might end up becoming president, and then he would get to pick an FBI director. And so now here we are.
1: Yeah, right.
3: So like, they saw this coming.
1: As people pointed out, right, so this, this came, and it did occur yesterday while James Comey was on a recruiting tour. He was in Los Angeles speaking to possible recruits to the FBI, went up, flashed on the screen. James Comey had been fired. That's how he found out about it. Uh, as people were, a lot of people were quick to point out, not since Watergate is the phrase. This, nothing like this has happened in this country since 1973 when Richard Nixon also fired uh, Archibald Cox, the attorney general, who, the special prosecutor who was, um, uh, who was conducting an investigation into Watergate, into Nixon's um, uh, criminal activities. Uh, Elliot Richardson, remember, resigned at the same time as attorney general because he wouldn't carry out the president's order. Then so did Bill Ruckel's house. It became known as the Saturday Night Massacre. So it's not the first time that a president has uh, used his authority, abused his authority to fire somebody who was conducting an investigation into his administration. Richard Nixon did it, and now Donald Trump has done it. It is so Nixonian. But it's also important to point out this is not the first time Donald Trump has fired somebody who was getting in his way and might have been causing problems. He did fire acting attorney general Sally Yates, remember, because she refused to carry out his Muslim ban, which she believed was unconstitutional. And the courts, by the way, have certainly upheld that and agreed with her. And then he fired the U.S. attorney, Preet Bahara in New York City, who was just beginning an investigation into the multiple conflicts of interest between Donald Trump, uh, the Donald Trump Empire, the Donald Trump Clan, uh, and the office that uh, Donald Trump now holds? So he axed Sally Yates, he axed Preet Bahara, and now he axed—he uh, has axed uh, James James Comey. And again, it's important, not for the reasons given, okay? You know, I've got here in my hot little hands the copy of the letter that Donald Trump sent out. It is total baloney. First of all, in the letter, Donald Trump goes out of his way to say, uh, I appreciate the fact that on three separate occasions you have informed me that I am not under investigation. No, he hasn't. There is an ongoing investigation of, of, of the Trump, uh, let's say, cabal, or whatever you want to call it. The whole group, which includes Donald Trump. Yes, it's Paul Manafort. Yes, it's Michael Flynn. Yes, it's Jeff Sessions. Yes, it's Jared Kushner. But it's also Donald Trump. So uh, Donald Trump was wrong when he says that. And then he, Donald Trump, and the White House yesterday said, we again are doing this because James Comey treated Hillary Clinton so badly during the uh d- 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 with those two announcements that that we that we just played earlier uh and in doing so he didn't act properly as FBI director are you kidding me i mean that's laugh out loud funny do you think that for one second Donald Trump <laughs> felt sorry for Hillary Clinton. This is Donald Trump who was going out leading chance of locker up, remember? This is Donald Trump who was accusing Hillary Clinton of criminal activity because of her emails. In fact, this is Donald Trump who praised James Comey for when he in October 28, right, says we're going to reopen the investigation. A lot of people were crit- criticizing James Comey for interfering in a presidential election that close to the to the to the date of the election, here's Donald Trump praising Comey.
4: It took guts for Director Comey to make the move that he made in light of the kind of opposition he had where they're trying to protect her from criminal prosecution. You know that.
1: Yeah, he loved what Comey did. Jeff Sessions last October said also praised Comey's action saying that Comey had a quote duty to reopen that investigation. So this idea now that they're firing Comey because he was too mean to Hillary it's just it just it, it it is laugh out loud funny. It just doesn't hold water at all. They fired James Comey for one reason because they felt that he was breathing down their necks. They knew that this investigation was ongoing. I think they knew that they, they that they were onto something. By the way, the announcement that Comey was fired came just a couple of hours after CNN learned that they the FBI had issued subpoenas to associates of Michael Flynn seeking the business records of Michael Flynn's little consulting company to start to prove his ties. So you know what? The news was tightening, and I think. What was coming out here is that Donald Trump is the one who told Michael Flynn to talk about the sanctions. And Donald Trump knew they were closing in on him. And Donald Trump said, we got to get rid of this guy. we got got to get him out of the way. And the New York Times reports that it was over a week ago that the Trump White House told Jeff Sessions, Comey's got to go. You come up with a rationale for firing him, which is where they came up, where is it, right here, with this BS letter From the Deputy Attorney General, uh, Mr. Rosenstein, uh, that it was all based on how uh, James Comey had treated Hillary Clinton. Don't you believe it. By the way, we're
3: going to go to Twitter. Uh Uh-oh. Yes. This This
2: is a Bill Press Show breaking news update.
3: Because Donald Trump has tweeted. First of all, let's go to last night, very late last night, uh, Donald Trump tweeted... Crying Chuck Schumer stated recently, I do not have confidence in him, James Comey, any longer, then acts so indignant, hashtag drain the swamp. And then about seven minutes ago, Trump tweeted, the Democrats have said some of the worst things about James Comey, including the fact that he should be fired. But now they play so sad. He goes on to say, literally just tweeted right now, James Comey will be replaced by someone who will do a far better job. Bringing back the spirit and prestige of the FBI. It's Sheriff Clark. It's going to be Sheriff Clark. <laughs> oh God. If it's Sheriff Clark, you were screwed.
1: It could be Rudy Giuliani. It could be. It could be Chris Christie. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. It's not going to be anybody who's going to conduct a vigorous investigation of the Trump empire. No way. Of the Trump administration. No way. Reaction to the firing yesterday among Democrats was pretty quick and pretty strong. Chuck Schumer saying again, uh, this ain't the first time. This is just what Donald Trump's all about. This is part of a deeply troubling pattern from the Trump administration. They fired Sally Yates. They fired Preet Barrara, And now they fired Director Comey, the very man leading the investigation. By the way, don't let Donald Trump have a monopoly on Twitter. Let's hear your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. This is something that should concern all of us. Uh, Mark Warner, Senator Mark Warner from Virginia. Remember, he is the uh, uh, senator who is co-chairing the Senate investigation uh, into the uh, possible collusion between the Trump administration uh, and, um, and the Russian government. Uh, Mark Warner saying uh, they never cease to surprise me over there at the Trump White House.
5: I didn't think I could be surprised by this administration uh, anymore, but they surprised me today. Uh, I think the president's actions are outrageous.
1: Yep, indeed. And the big impact, of course, is on this ongoing investigation. So one thing for sure, this interrupts the investigation while it's uh, just really kind of getting started from what, from everything that we know. Um it certainly is going to set it back. Uh, and I believe, and I think you'd be foolish not to believe, that this, in effect, is the end of the FBI investigation into Donald Trump because Donald Trump, they've appointed a, a, the, uh, Mr. McCabe, the deputy director, as the acting director. Uh, Jeff Sessions is still the attorney general. There is no freaking way that Jeff Sessions is going to recommend anybody to Donald Trump or that Donald Trump will appoint anybody as the next director of the FBI who would not agree ahead of time. They may not say it publicly, but you know they're going to have to make this commitment that the FBI investigation of the Trump administration is bogus, it should not continue, and they, in effect, will let it just die off. They won't officially announce that and say there's no longer any investigation. They just will take everybody off the job. They won't spend any resources on it. It will go away, which means that without a special prosecutor or a special counsel or a special committee appointed by the, uh, the United States Congress, Donald Trump will have stolen the 2016 election and gotten away with it. That's where we're going. Jesus. Think about it. I mean, he, in effect, has, has, has shut that down. I don't think there is any way uh, it can continue. Uh, and Elizabeth Warren made that point last night on, uh, uh, on, on, uh, with uh, Chris Hayes on MSNBC, uh, first of all, saying that uh, he doesn't want uh, you know, anybody who has anything to do with this to have any authority anymore.
4: And it's pretty clear what's going on here. Donald Trump doesn't want anyone coming any place close to an active investigation into the relationship between the Russians, the Trump campaign, and Donald Trump himself.
1: And uh, Elizabeth Warren moves on that we need to turn this whole thing over then to someone else, someone independent who can really uh, follow all the, the leads of possible collusion. Do you believe a special prosecutor should be appointed by the Chris deputy Hayes. attorney
4: general? Absolutely. We need a special prosecutor right now. I mean, yes. He needs to announce he's going to do it this evening and figure out who the right person is and then have a special prosecutor.
1: So we're going to talk to Niels Lysniewski, who covers the Senate for roll call uh, in the next half hour, and and uh, learn more about that and talk more about that. You know, it's not as easy as it sounds. You hear a lot of talk there about a special prosecutor. Uh, that was not what Elizabeth Warren said about a, uh, a special counsel. Uh, but the fact is the special counsel law was allowed to expire. So unless they pass a new law, mm. there can't be a special counsel. The Justice Department could appoint a special prosecutor, I believe. Um, but that means a special prosecutor would work for the attorney general and, and again— Who is Jeff Sessions going to appoint, right? Somebody who's going to agree ahead of time. There ain't nothing there, right?
3: I mean, by the way, if you look at it, it's early in the morning. Sarah Huckabee Sanders has already done a couple of media appearances already. Uh, And if you listen to what she says, they are absolutely going to push for this to be dropped. And they're not even trying to hide it. You know, they think that this was a witch hunt to begin with. Yeah. And that th- th- they're going to bury this. this well, it's not going to uh, go anywhere.
1: Right. Uh, if, if, if he has his way, I should say. Sure. Uh, and by the way, just uh, on, on that point, um, Sean Spicer, uh, if we can, Jamie, made the same point yesterday that and he's been saying this, by the way, for a long time. Right. Uh, Sean Spicer. It's just it's time to move on. They keep saying. Right.
0: When it, which all of the things that the president is doing. Um, economically and in national security-wise, uh, to move the country forward, uh, is this? This needs to. We need to take no for an answer and move on to the issues.
1: No, 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 no. We need to get the answers. We don't have the answers yet. We need to get the answers. It is not time to move on from this. This is the most serious constitutional crisis that we have faced in our lifetime. Um, well, certainly, I, certainly since Watergate, I think worse than Watergate because this is a foreign government trying to interfere and and direct the outcome of this election. Uh, And we can't just move on until we know what happened.
3: By the way, we are on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show, where you can chime in and uh, give us your takes on whatever we're talking about. G.F. Jacobs wonders, where are the Mm -hmm. true American Republicans? We need a special prosecutor now. Some Republicans did come out and say that they're yep. troubled yep. by this. One of them who did not was Marco Rubio, who proved yet again that he might be the most spineless member of the Senate. Uh, he sort of ran from that. Uh, David Raewinski says Trump is meeting Russians today, which is true. He's going to be meeting yeah, with
1: meeting with the Russian par- foreign minister foreign by minister the way today yeah. at the
3: White House. Where's uh,
1: Rex Tillerson? I wonder. Do you think he'll even be there?
3: Yeah. Right. Uh, David Orwinski says, uh, Comey needs to hire a food t- taster and avoid fourth floor windows. Uh, and John Lovering says, firing Comey at this time without immediately appointing an independent prosecutor smacks of an effort to cover up an investigation. Yep, it's a absolutely. huge cover. It's a
1: huge cover up. So back as to, to picking up that track, special counsel, impossible without new legislation. Special prosecutor, unlikely because Jeff Sessions won't appoint anybody we could trust. Uh, I think the only – I believe that the only real route forward would be a special bipartisan special committee of the House and Senate like a Watergate committee that would uh, – could look into this and should be appointed. Of course, the Russian the – <laughs> whoa, what a Freudian slip. <laughs> the Republican leadership of the House and the Senate would have to agree uh, and then work with Democrats to appoint such a committee. Uh, I think that is unlikely, but I think that is exactly what we need.
6: By the way, uh, Angus King, Senator for Maine, Independent Senator for Maine. You're a senator? My senator. He just said this on CNN that he is going to push for James Comey to lead the investigation in the Senate.
1: <laughs> he wants
6: to push for James Comey to lead the Russia investigation.
1: Yeah, I mean. Uh, Yeah, that's not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. Although it would be delicious. Uh, You talk about revenge, right? Uh, And as I mentioned, uh, a constitutional crisis like we have never seen, not since Watergate. Uh, Let's go to the way back machine here. Uh, John Chancellor of NBC News back on October 10, 1973.
4: Good evening. The country tonight is in the midst of what may be the most serious constitutional crisis in its history. The president has fired the special Watergate prosecutor Archibald Cox. Because of the president's action, the attorney general has resigned. Elliot Richardson has quit, saying he cannot carry out Mr. Nixon's instructions.
1: Boy, that's echoes of, of what we heard last night with the leading the the news. Uh, all, all, all three networks, uh, David Muir and Scott Pelley and Lester Holt, uh, with almost, almost word for word, what John Chancellor said, constitutional crisis, just one more from a John, John Chancellor here.
4: All of this adds up to a totally unprecedented situation, a grave and profound crisis in which the president has set himself against his own attorney general and the department of justice. Nothing like this has ever happened
1: before. Yeah, well, we can't say that. Nothing like this has ever happened before. It's happened now for the second time in and our history. And the White House
3: is bristling over these comparisons, but you cannot deny the fact that there have been a handful of people in this, you know, five months that Donald Trump has been president, four and a half months that Donald Trump has been president, that have been able to investigate him and deliver something. Sally Yates, fired. Preet Bharara, fired. fired. Jason Chaffetz, quit abruptly. Quit. Devin Nunez nowhere to be found. James Comey
1: fired. fired. Right there you go. Right. Who's next? Exactly. Yeah. So it's happened twice in our history. Two presidents under investigation have fired the people leading the investigations. Richard Nixon and now Donald Trump. Take a quick break. Back with Nielsen Zasuzki and your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Nielsen Zuski from Roll Call.
4: All of this adds up to a totally unprecedented situation. Nothing like this has ever happened before.
2: Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show. New great channel. Stream live video at YouTube.com/slash the Bill Price
1: Show. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What a big news day here. Wednesday, May 10. Uh, Donald Trump takes the axe to James Comey. Comey, fired by the wrong man for the wrong reasons. Hello, everybody. Good to have you with us today as we come to you live coast to coast from our studio. On Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C., brought to you today in part by Amalgamated Bank. Yep. If you're looking for a bank with progressive values so you don't feel so guilty every time you do your banking, think about Amalgamated Bank for almost a century now. They have been the bank of choice for progressive organizations and individuals nationwide. Anywhere in the country, you can bank at Amalgamated. Go to AmalgamatedBank.com. Check out uh, their terms, uh, their uh, policies. And their programs. I think you will like it and sign up. AmalgamatedBank.com. Yeah. So now uh, the shift is, or the question is, what happens to this FBI investigation? uh, And will the Senate or the House pick it up if the FBI investigation falls through? Niels Lisniewski is the senior Senate reporter for Roll Call. Uh, And it's good to have you in the studio today, Niels. How are you doing? Good to be back. So what the Senate is here, the House is out, right? What are senators telling you? Did you have a chance? I mean, this happened late yesterday afternoon. Were any still around, and uh, what are you picking up?
5: There were a few uh, still around. There were a few still around the building last uh, evening after this news broke, uh, and and the general consensus is, first of all, obviously for Democrats, they are of the view that this only increases the need for some sort of an outside counsel and an independent investigation into Russia and the Trump campaign's uh, potential ties with Russia um, but even the republicans who have been the most involved uh, with dealing with comey in the context of Russia uh, have been saying that they're they're troubled or they're concerned and they have all sorts of questions about why now uh, because one of the things that I'm not sure everybody really knows is how much the Senate Intelligence Committee has been talking with Comey. It's a uh, there have been multiple meetings, uh, and clearly there are is if not coordination, I think that the Senate Intelligence Committee is basically saying that he has been the most uh, accessible FBI director to them that they've ever had, and so that I think there's where this could be really. Um, They may not have thought this out so well at the White House. Well, this begs a
1: question in a sense that – was Comey well-liked on the Hill? I mean, I had the feeling that nobody really liked him. Maybe you're saying that's not true. I I I, think
5: that – right. I think that that when it was in the context of the the handling of the Clinton email server and that whole query that he wasn't necessarily the most well-liked figure – Uh, And in fact, there were people who were openly uh, disdainful of him. Right. Uh, But I think that in the particular context of the Russia investigation, the people who have been uh, senators who have been the most involved in that matter, uh, that they have generally viewed Comey as a straight shooter. So it goes to sort of your point at the top, which is firing Comey on January 20th because of uh, the handling of the Hillary Clinton mess might have been one thing. Right. Now it just—I he. I, I think that Comey has largely redeemed himself in the eyes of a lot of folks in the Senate at least. So do you
1: think that people buy the spin put out by the White House uh, that they did this because Comey was so mean to Hillary Clinton?
5: I think that in, in I know I know that there's a computer sitting here, so maybe if I, someone can look up the Jeff Flake tweet from about 11 o'clock last night, which uh, Republican senator from Arizona who was basically like, I've been trying for hours to figure out what this is all about and I can't come up with a defense for it. This is Jeff Flake. Yes,
3: that's, that's, that's his uh, exact tweet. I have spent the last several hours trying to find an exceptional or acceptable rationale for the timing of Comey's firing. I just can't do it. So he sees he can't figure out why this is normal, why this right. should have happened.
1: Uh, and it may have been a coincidence. So, but I don't buy coincidences anymore around this around this town. But the this this action, which which uh, took probably a week to put together, anyhow. But the announcement came just a couple of hours after CNN discovered that the FBI had issued subpoenas uh, to associates of Michael Flynn, who was certainly one of the targets of the investigation, uh, looking into his business business ties, which means maybe uh, CNN indicated, signaled that this investigation is really starting to pick up steam. And to get really serious.
5: Well, well, and what's, what's interesting there is that it is, in particular, this is coming out of a grand jury, at least according yeah, to CNN's yes. report, that is in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of D.C., where the U.S. attorney is Dana Boenti, who was the fellow who became the acting attorney general after Sally Yates was fired. fired. Yeah. So... <laughs> The next move, frankly, and I don't know that I'm actually predicting this, would be but to because Boente be, another holdover from yeah. the Obama administration, uh, yeah. a career federal prosecutor. Uh, I think the next question is, is whether or not the uh, U.S. attorney in, in northern Virginia is going to be uh, uh, pushed aside.
1: Oh yeah, or gotten the axe, right? Well, if I were he, it's a he. It's right? a he. Yes. Yeah, if I were him, uh, I, I'd be, I'd be looking over my shoulders, right? Yeah, and watching because you could, you could expect almost expect that to happen. All right, now, so if the, I I think it's safe. Is it? Do you agree? It's safe to assume that with this action and with Jeff Sessions as Attorney General and Donald Trump as President, this FBI investigation is in fact over.
5: I think that there's the the one question that I think we would why I would not say that yet is to figure out what uh, Rod Rosenstein, the the deputy attorney general who uh, at least up until the moment that his name appeared on the memo outlining basically reasons for why Jim Comey could be fired, uh, was a respected fellow on both sides of the aisle. Barbara Mikulski, who was the obviously Democratic senator from Maryland for a long time, uh, is a big fan of the guy. He was uh, the U.S. attorney up in Mm -hmm. Baltimore for -hmm. for Mm -hmm. about a decade. Uh, So I think there's a possibility that he feels like he was not, uh, that this was not really what he thought he was doing. Uh, was writing justifications for firing Comey instantly. Uh, And I don't know that, but that's the one thing is he's the fellow to watch right now. And I've been talking with Democratic senators already. Everyone's got their eyes on him. But he's not the acting FBI director. No, but because he's the act, because he is the acting attorney general for the purposes of the Russia probe.
1: Because Jeff Sessions recused himself.
5: yes. And so because of that, he could be the one, if he he could call for a special, he could be the one who could basically farm out the uh, Russia investigation to either a a special prosecutor or could give specific instructions to the FBI or something like that. Well, then
1: let me me rephrase my question. What are the chances that Donald Trump is going to appoint as an FBI director somebody who is going to continue the FBI's investigation?
5: That is— Is going to be very complicated to see whether or not he's going to be able to anybody to head the FBI. Why? The FBI director requires Senate confirmation. So how you get someone who goes through hours and hours of hearings at the Senate Judiciary Committee and says, well, I don't know anything about this Russia situation and, you know, how they sound like a Supreme Court nominee, basically— For nine hours. I don't know who that person is. And I don't think that person is Rudy Giuliani or (laughs) or
1: Chris Christie. Uh, Good point. Good point. Uh, Well, scratch them. Scratch those names off the list. Um, All right. So let's get to what happens. And several people have called for this. Elizabeth Warren did. Bernie Sanders. Others have even before James Comey was fired. I mean, John McCain and Lindsey Graham have, I believe from the very beginning saying we need to turn this over to a and you hear all these phrases. I want to sort it out with you if we can. Special counsel, special prosecutor, independent commission, blah 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 blah. Okay. Special counsel.
5: Possible? Special counsel is possible because that would be But I thought that law expired. The independent counsel oh, statute right. has expired. Thank you. Here's, the, here's the distinction. Uh, in the in the shortest way possible, as Donald Trump says, this is complicated. <laughs> oh yeah, right. um, the you, in a special counsel or a special prosecutor is someone where the Justice Department says this is too intertwined in everything. We are going to give authority to person X uh-huh. to investigate this. Okay. Now, the best example of this recently was. During the Valerie Plame matter in the Bush administration, the folks at the Justice Department in Washington told the U.S. attorney in Chicago, Mr. Fitzgerald, if you remember him, that he had authority to make whatever decisions he wanted to and and put this matter in the basket of the U.S. attorney's office in Chicago, even though— there yeah. was really no connection to Chicago, yeah. So that could happen. You could have Basically. Rosenstein say, "Ah, oh, U.S. Attorney in yeah. Omaha, you're now right. in charge." Right. Okay. Right. So, Special Counsel, Special Prosecutor are kind of
1: one and the same, right? right. Okay.
5: Independent Counsel. Independent Counsel is
1: out. was Ken Starr. Yes, and that's done. That's done. Okay. Um. So then, in the Senate, could appoint a. We have the Senate um, Intelligence Committee, right? It's conducting this investigation. But they could appoint a special committee or uh, the House and the Senate together could have a, a whatever you want right. to call it, Russia collusion committee, right? Right, right. Yeah.
5: You can do a joint committee uh, of the two houses, which is... But they would be made up of members of the
1: House, of the House and Senate, correct? Yes. Right. Yes.
5: Who would have to appoint that? Uh, You would need – the leaders of the two parties would pick, you know, uh, in the House and Senate. So Ryan and Pelosi and McConnell and and Schumer. But
1: Ryan and Pelosi – I'm sorry. Ryan
5: and McConnell would have to agree
1: before that could ever happen. Yes. Correct? Yes. Okay. What about a body that is made up like the Kerner Commission, I believe, of – Outstanding citizens, maybe you know retired judges or retired senators. Or-
5: you would need, in order to do that, you would need. Well, this and this gets complicated because probably, in order to do that, you would need to pass a law in order to get them subpoena power and the appropriate authorities to take sworn testimony and and the like. Because otherwise, you would end the up. The
1: nine eleven is nine yes. eleven commission. Was that yes. correct? Yes, and that was created by Congress. Yes, okay. So what do you think the chances are that one of those other options is going to
5: – I think that the the, congressionally impaneled um, special committee within the Senate might be more likely. I don't know what the prospects would be for the House at this point because – Uh, frankly, none of the House investigations so far have seen nearly as um, detailed, shall we say, as what the Senate uh, Intelligence Committee is doing. Although I I still think there's an argument to be made that if the the Senate Intelligence Committee, in some ways the greater risk to the Trump administration or to the Russian agents or whomever, is actually if the uh Senate Intelligence Committee investigation gain steam mm-hmm. because a report that would surface out of there, should it ever happen, uh might be more sort of might have more teeth than than a than a sort of public public the public hearings seem to not be going anywhere. So what's yeah. going on behind closed doors is more interesting. I in just regard. uh
1: just pointing n- noticing that Senator McCain said yesterday, quote I have long called for, which is true, I have long called for a special congressional committee to investigate Russia's interference in the 2016 uh, election. The president's decision to remove the FBI director only confirms the need and the urgency of such a committee. So he's talking about an impaneled... Bipartisan uh, commit—I think he's probably referring there to both House and Senate, but uh, I'm not sure that uh, Mitch McConnell goes along with it. Um, uh, So I'm sure you're going to get more reaction today as people. uh, For (laughs) sure. By the way, talk about
3: McConnell in the Senate. I just wanted to pull up these Senator uh, Richard Burr tweets because he tweeted about this last night as well. Uh, Yeah,
1: that which was unusual. Yeah, for the Republican chair of the Intelligence Committee.
3: He put out a big statement, but he he went on a little tweet where he says, I am troubled by the timing and reasoning of Director Comey's termination. I have found Director Comey to be a public servant of the highest order. His dismissal further confuses an already difficult investigation by the committee and my interactions with the director and with the Bureau under his leadership. He and the FBI have always been straightforward with our committee. Director Comey has been more forthcoming with information than any FBI Director, I can recall in my tenure on the Congressional Intelligence Committees, mm-hmm. his dismissal, I believe, is a loss for the Bureau and the nation.
1: Yeah. I mean, those are strong yeah. words. Those are very Republican. strong words from the Republican head of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And and confirms, with your point, that, that there's been a lot of interaction and a lot of cooperation between the FBI and the Senate.
5: Right, and that's, and that's mm-hmm. the part that what happens now with the next with the either the acting i think the thing that will be really interesting to see is what happens with the acting fbi director in the interim before Mm -hmm. hearings can be held and and president trump can nominate anybody is how much interaction how much how visible do the acting people in charge of the fbi become in in meeting with lawmakers right
1: uh, rollcall.com is where you can follow Niels and all of his uh, colleagues there with the news of the day. Uh, I um, hesitate almost to move away from the story even for a couple of minutes. But there are other things going on. Um, two things I want to ask you about. First of all, it was reported yesterday, uh, I think, in The New York Times, and I saw it on CBS News last night, that the administration is considering a request to send 3,000 more ground troops, combat forces, into Afghanistan, of all places, because the Afghan military uh, has suffered so many losses lately and they seem to be not able to, to, to keep up with the Taliban. Um, do you think that the Congress will just stand by and, in effect, let Donald Trump, Push the restart button in Afghanistan without a new authorization for the use of military force or without congressional approval?
5: Yes. And that's because they never seem to stop anything else or ever demand another other than other than the likes of Tim Kaine. They never seem to demand that there or be Barbara a new, Lee. Or Barbara Lee. <laughs> there's a there's a group of them who always demand a or new Rand author- Paul, by the way, that's too. Also true. Uh, although his might be more limited than even the one that the Democrats would design, um but there's so little appetite for it uh and actually, the legal plausibility of sending more troops back into Afghanistan. Is probably more on strong legal footing because the original authorization was at was least a, for was at least about Afghanistan. So yeah, we're not right. we're not bootstrapping a different country into it. Was a, about
1: Al Qaeda in Afghanistan, not whatever. Right, but could say it's, it's, still it's closer Taliban. considering it is closer. what
5: they're using as legal justification. Closer than Libya, yeah. yes.
1: For example, right. No, I think you're right about that. Now what happens? Uh, the other issue is uh, we thought. This week, the entire focus was going to be on health care in the Senate. Is the House bill dead on
5: arrival? As written, the House <laughs> bill is dead on arrival uh, there. The Senate Republicans are going to be meeting basically every day. Uh, and I think that, frankly, this talk of this group of 13 Senate Republicans who are all men uh, who are going to be drafting the the bill is probably not exactly accurate in terms of who is drafting the bill um, because, then Mitch McConnell's now saying, we're basically going to have everybody at the table because they literally need to get 50 of 52 votes. And so you can't, they they can't, as a practical matter, come up with a way of doing that without everybody being involved, and it might be impossible.
1: Well, there seem to be two schools, and I've heard,
5: (coughs) pardon me, Um, Both schools of thought here on this program, by
1: guests on this program, that either the Senate um, has no stomach at all for what the House did and it's going to come up with something completely different. uh, Or that, in fact, there's a lot more support than you would think in the Senate for what the House did, particularly for gutting Medicaid, uh, and that they will come up with something that will not have a hard time in conference committee. How do you read it?
5: Well, my my read is that what may end up happening, and and Bill Cassidy, who's a Republican yes, senator from Louisiana, has been who's,
1: outspoken, cr- outspokenly critical of yes, the House bill.
5: Uh, that he may be right in that some of the solution here, something he said the other day, is that some of the solution may be here in in basically taking what were supposed to be tax cuts in the House bill. And using them to sure up this uh, supposed devolution of Medicaid responsibilities to the states and uh, the other the other things that are cuts as designed in the House bill may not be cuts. If you put more generous subsidies in, and basically gave tons of money to the states, which would be available if you scaled back or got rid of the tax cuts that were in the House bill, mm-hmm. Uh so you could actually probably craft a bill within the structure of the House bill, but then it wouldn't have the tax cuts that the Republicans in the House really want. Who's the architect in the Senate? That's a good question because there doesn't seem to be one yet. If you if There may be competing uh, visions. Uh, Ted Cruz wants to be the architect in the Senate. Forget it. And that's problem is that yeah. that's not going to happen. And no way Susan Collins and Bill Cassidy and some others go along with what uh, Cruz's vision would be. Uh, so coming up with a palatable plan uh, is probably going to require someone like, if there is a plan, it's going to require Cruz and Collins to get into a room and come up with something between the two of them, which would be quite an exercise. Uh, the senator from Tennessee... Uh, Senator Alexander uh, and Orrin Hatch from Utah are probably actually the the most likely architects because they are the chairman with jurisdiction, and they tend to know a thing or two about how things actually work. Uh, although you could also say that ultimately Mitch McConnell will probably be writing whatever they come up
1: with. Okay. So it took the, – they promised to do it, to repeal Obamacare on day one. Uh, it took the House 100 days how long is it going to take the Senate?
5: Uh, my money— Does it get done this year? My money would be if they have a bill at all, it comes before August recess.
1: Really? That's that fast. That yeah. That's
5: about two months but that's, of work. Uh, but then if they don't, if they don't get it by the time they leave for August recess, it probably doesn't happen this year because when they come back in September, there's— a government funding issue and the debt limit reappears and there's all these other issues that that jump uh, health care in the line of urgency. And now, frankly, an FBI director confirmation battle uh, probably eats into some of that time, too. Right. Uh,
1: the uh, we we sometimes confuse the two. You mentioned. So this the funding that they just passed comes up again in September, correct?
5: Yes. October 1st is uh, the October deadline. 1st. Yeah. OK.
1: But then on a, 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 a related but different matter is the national debt.
5: Yes. And the, the debt limit at some amorphous date, the Treasury Department has not yet said exactly when, but probably in the fall, uh, the Republicans are going to have to raise the debt limit because surprise, surprise, there's still deficit spending going on, despite the fact that there's a republic. Republicans are in control of everything.
1: Uh, and it will be interesting to see if Democrats uh, use that opportunity to try to load some stuff on, or to or to exact some concessions from Republicans, the same way Republicans did yes. while Democrats were in control, uh, with the threat again of defaulting on our on our debts.
5: That's uh, right. Yeah.
1: So you got a good beat, man. You got a lot of a lot of important stuff on your plate. Uh, What's going on? And just when you think everything is, uh, maybe you've you've got it all under control, right? You sort of know what's going on. Then Donald Trump does something like this, and the whole thing blows up in your face, right? But uh, you're more than capable of keeping on top of it. Excellent, excellent information, Neil Zaduski. Thanks so much for coming in again. Thank you. Roll call. Rollcall.com. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say, folks, on a Wednesday, May 10, how about it? Coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C., which, of course, is buzzing with news of the firing of James Comey, a man fired by the wrong person for the wrong reason, but he was fired. How do you like that? Found out about it um, while he was giving a speech in Los Angeles and noticed that the TV screen suddenly uh, carried a banner headline, Comey Fired. Um, And uh, that's how we got the news, not by a direct call from President Donald Trump. We'll bring you up to date on all of that and the rest of the news and look forward to getting your comments. This is a constitutional crisis like we haven't seen since the days of Watergate back in 1973. It is so Nixonian. That's what everyone's talking about. And where do we go from here? And does this mean the Russian investigation is, for all practical purposes, no longer existent. Send us your comments on Twitter uh, at bp show. As again, we come to you live from our nation's capital with all the news of the day and helping us through some of the other important issues. Daniel Paquette is a reporter from the uh, Washington Post, which has been doing great, great investigative reporting uh, so far in the uh, 100 and what five days of Donald Trump. Hello, <laughs> Danielle. Hey. Nice to see you. Nice to yeah. be here, Bill. Good to have you with us. Uh, and, again, we'll get right to the news of the day and your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Oh, yeah,
3: all yeah. the big stories you might have missed. Just a couple other stories happening now. If you like the Jon Stewart-era Daily Show, you would have loved Tuesday night's Late Show with Stephen Colbert. Stephen Colbert brought a bunch of Daily Show alumni back onto his show the Late Show uh, with Stephen Colbert. He brought back Samantha Bee, John Oliver, Ed Helms, Rob Corddry, and of course, John Stewart himself. Whoa. All of them got their start on The Daily Show. Wow. John Stewart, of course, was the host, but, but uh, think about that. Samantha no, Bee think... has her own show. John Oliver has her own yeah. show. Ed Helms, big movie star now. Rob Corddry does movies now. And all of them were correspondents on The Daily Show.
6: Wow. Wow. Nuts. I don't know if this Trevor Noah Daily Show will have a similar legacy, but... Uh... It will not.
3: Uh, yeah, I can uh, I can answer that question. I definitely don't <laughs> think it will.
6: But, you know, bless his heart. He tries.
3: Uh, this is kind of nuts at uh, the Forensic Anthropology Research Facility at Texas State University. That is a 26-acre area on campus where they keep a bunch of dead bodies. You heard about this? It's like the body farm. Wait a so, minute.
1: 26 acres?
3: Yeah, that's right. That's a lot of dead bodies. Well, they're not filled with dead bodies, but they oh. put the dead bodies all throughout that area so they can study decomposition. So it's for forensic scientists, right, like when you go out in the field and you find a dead body that might have been outside, you can study, like, what a body that's been exposed to the elements for, like, three months, three weeks. Mm. Like, all this different stuff. So it's, there's dead bodies.
1: But are, are they underground?
3: No, they're on top of the ground. What? So, yeah, that's right. Oh. I'm dead serious. This is a thing. It's because there's like there's no other way for them to get like field training on this. So you donate your body to science, and it goes to them. You could donate your body. Fun fact: I have donated my body to go to a place called the Body Farm in Georgia, so that when I die, I'm just going to leave my body. Wait, outside. really? Yeah. It's called the
7: Body Farm. It's called the Body Farm. Yeah. Wow. So the
3: forensic scientists can study like a body that's been left out in the wild. So that's where I'm going to be when I'm dead. But here's the story. But <laughs> this, is this is TMI. Is the- what?
1: How, when did you decide you this? this? You don't have to come visit me. <laughs> when
3: did you decide this? Oh, man, this has been years. I've done this. <laughs> I did this years ago. No, and my family can't have me. I'm, I'm gonna eat. get a great
6: big rat. I'm going back to nature, it, man. And let it loose. No, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey!
3: I don't care. I'll be. It's. I'll be gone. <laughs> the point <laughs> here is. He <laughs> going, going to the grape,
6: you. grapefruit, grape graveyard over here. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the point here is. Yeah, they is have cameras set up on all these dead bodies so that they can obviously monitor them, and for the very first time. No, a deer. They found a deer oh, eating yeah, human I saw remains. Oh yeah, this is cool. <laughs> they found a deer eating human remains. It's never been. It's never happened. He had a rib bone we in kind his of mouth. We deserve this. We absolutely deserve this.
1: We absolutely. Deserve this. <laughs> it's a deer's chance to get even, right? Yeah, so, right. Yeah, I I did read the other day there are not many calories in human bodies. So Perfect. There he is.
0: Great. Not worth it. <laughs>
2: On your radio,
1: on TV, and online. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, what do you say, folks? It is a Wednesday, May 10. Uh, the Bill Press Show We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. With all the news of the day, there's really only one story today. James Comey fired. Fired by Donald Trump yesterday. They say they fired him because he was too mean to Hillary Clinton. Yeah, if you believe that, I've got a bridge I want to sell you as well. Uh, No, he was fired because Donald Trump could hear footsteps or feel his hot breath on his neck as James Comey's FBI investigation might have been closing in on uh, evidence of collusion between the Trump White House or the Trump campaign and uh, Russian officials. Uh, And the big question is, what happens to that investigation now? I think we can assume it is over. Uh, and Donald Trump, who once, who first fired Sally Yates, the deputy attorney general, because she refused to carry out his Muslim ban, then fired U.S. attorney in New York, Preet Bahara, because he was starting an investigation into possible conflicts of interest with the Trump family and the Trump empire uh, and, the, uh, and the White House. Now he has fired the third person, uh, uh, FBI Director James Comey. And, of course, the only the second time in our history that a president has fired someone who is leading an investigation into his administration. The first being Richard Nixon in 1973, the Saturday Night Massacre, now uh, succeeded by the Tuesday Night Massacre uh, by Donald Trump. And in the middle of all of this, here comes Danielle <laughs> Paquette uh, with The Washington <laughs> Post. Man, when this hit the news, were we in the newsroom yesterday when this hit?
7: This is kind of shameful, Bill. Yep. I was in the newsroom, but I was going to dinner for my friend's birthday, and I just kind of quietly walked out, like, have <laughs> oh, fun. <maybe.
1: laughs> have fun, guys. Good luck. <laughs> really. Yeah. But when it hit, it must have been,
7: Oh, right? yeah. Well, we didn't quite believe it. You know, I got a press alert, James Comey out, like, yeah. fired. You yeah. know, it was just kind of totally shocking.
1: No, I did, too, you know, on my phone, mm-hmm. and I read it like three times because I couldn't I couldn't believe it, right? And yeah. I couldn't sort of ingest it. It was like, no, no, really, really. And it was not until like the second alert came that I thought, holy, you know what, right? Yeah. Uh, and Peter and I already talked about what we were going to talk about today. We had the whole show planned. And <laughs> I heard. And as, yeah, that exploded. Yeah. And as often happens with uh, Donald Trump, forget yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> it's the it's the dumbest thing. It's just like, and there's no running from it. You know, you can't prepare for
7: this. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much Well, we've gotten used to this climate in the newsroom Where we don't make plans anymore You might have one day planned in advance And then everything blows up You have to totally reset your schedule And yeah. it's, uh, it's become a lot more festive. This is a
5: great time to be alive, ladies and gentlemen <laughs> This is an
7: amazing <laughs> time to be alive
3: We take all of our cues of how we do work through uh, By what Alex Jones tells us I
6: will be tuning into InfoWars today, by the way I don't know about you guys Should be a fun one we finally removed the lizard person uh, James Comey
3: from uh, from office. We finally got rid of him, folks. We're going to get someone in here who knows what he's doing and is not an actual lizard person.
1: Uh, there have been uh, some people believe that the Russian investigation is what will bring down Donald Trump. There are others who believe that conflicts of interest on the part of either the president or members of his family is what is going to undo the Trump administration. You have been particularly looking into the first daughter, Ivanka Trump, uh, and her continuing business side. First, what is her role in the White House? How do you see it and read it?
7: So Ivanka has had quite an evolution Um, right after Trump was elected, she said. I'm just moving to Washington, D.C. as a wife and a daughter. I'm going to focus on my children. I'll have no formal role. And then we heard a couple months later, I'm moving into my own West Wing office. And just recently, we've learned she, she has a title. She's assistant to the president so she'll be advising him on everything. She says it's a role she's been playing since she was a kid. She has Donald Trump's ear. We really don't know much beyond that other than she's looking into childcare issues, maternity leave policies. We haven't seen much on the policy front in those areas, but we've been keeping an eye on what Ivanka's been up to.
1: Um, I vaguely remember um, when um, Jimmy Carter talked about his daughter Amy being upset about nuclear weapons or something, people mocked Jimmy Carter for listening to anything his daughter said, and now we've got Ivanka Trump right there in the Oval Office alongside of her uh, of her father on a wide range of issues. If you add her portfolio, whatever it is, to Jared Kushner's her husband's portfolio, that about covers the waterfront, doesn't it? The
4: yeah, two of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, are, are are the two of them the? The two most powerful people around Donald Trump.
7: Uh, You could say that there. There's what I've heard at least. There's battles for his attention, battle for influence, versus you know these are the narratives coming out of the hill. It's Ivanka and Jared, the New York Mm -hmm. you know liberals versus Bannon, Uh, and so. We haven't
1: heard much about Bannon lately. He's
7: He's, uh, they say faded
3: back a little bit, maybe. (laughs)
6: Yeah. Yeah. He's lurking in the shadows is what's happening.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone back to the shadowland
6: to regain his powers.
7: And Ivanka and Jared, they occupy this valuable real real estate. It's completely yeah. unprecedented. You know, Jared Kushner, son in law, that was our first test of these nepotism laws, saying, Hey, you can't employ so you know, your your blood. Um and then Ivanka comes along and it's just this situation we've never seen before. She's also out there acknowledging it, saying, Hey, I understand how strange this is. I'm figuring it out too. That's kind of been her line. like just let me let me show you what I can do. I'll be a positive, a positive force for change in this White House.
1: And they're both uh, government employees, correct? Right, yeah, right.
7: Unpaid, uh, but yes.
1: Now, Ivanka made a little news last week because it was reported that she wins three new licenses, I believe it was, maybe more, in China. Uh, And they just happened to have been announced the day, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago now, the day that uh, she and her father were having dinner with the president of China at Mar-a-Lago, enjoying that beautiful chocolate cake. Or I guess that was when they announced that the missiles had hit Syria. But during that dinner... It's hard to keep track. During that, at the same time of that dinner... So many
7: cake, so many missiles.
3: Yeah,
1: (laughs) right. Uh, So does she, while she's in the White House, does she still have her fashion line?
7: She has handed it to family members. Uh, Member, I believe, Jared Kushner's sister, um, someone outside of herself. And that is the line that she has stuck to. No matter what happens with my company, I am not running it currently. Uh, I am no longer a part of it. She has tried to publicly distance herself from her brand on social media. She claims to not be running day-to-day but we really—it's hard to know, you know. When when you are entrusting your business to a close friend or a family member, they're only a text away. So there's just very little oversight here.
1: But she still owns it, correct?
7: Right. Well, yes, she's transferred her assets to the family members. She stepped down from it. It's it's a little it's a little murky.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean, she still owns it. She she did not divest herself of the whole, of the whole company. N- we, nor- we
7: don't have paperwork showing what she's done.
1: Um, does she still profit from every sale of every little trinket and piece of jewelry?
7: That's another good question. We, we, she hasn't provided us the paperwork to prove that she has totally stepped away from this uh, venture.
1: Right. Mm. And the company is still seeking... Uh, by, by the way, I'd have to say, if we haven't seen the paperwork, she hasn't done it. Don, we know that Donald Trump didn't do it. He did not divest himself from all of his properties. He, somebody else... The two sons are running the business. Allegedly, they never talked to their father about the business, um, so he doesn't know what's going on. But, but uh, you know, he's he still he still owns it. So I I I would assert that she still uh, owns it. Is there any conflict of interest law against that?
7: There or, there, or is there any law against it? There's really not. That's the problem. for For so long, this has just been seen as an act of, of decency, um, as an of doing what is right, what is just to, to truly separate yourself, just like releasing your tax returns. You know, there's never a law that forced it, but people just assumed that is what you do when you take control of our nation. And so far. Um, with the with the Trump family, we've seen that they they feel this this level of s- separation is appropriate. That you can take over public office and hand the reins of your firms to family members. Um, that's yeah. scary.
3: That's been the scariest
7: thing, I think.
3: Of I mean, look, whether or not you are a Trump supporter or not, you have to understand that we're in uncharted territory here with what's happening. So if if you love Trump, you got to understand that. If you hate Trump, you got to understand that. <clears throat> but that's been the most sobering thing for me. Is there's very little that can le- that legally holds him to do these things that presidents have done in the past. Right. And, you know, Jesus, I mean, we should maybe take a look at that at some point and make sure that there's, like, a guideline or a guidebook for what a president can and cannot do instead of just relying on tradition because, yeah, he's going to abuse it. Absolutely he'll abuse it.
7: Well, the popular understanding in the past was um, Americans would not vote someone into office if they didn't, (laughs) for example, release their tax returns. Or they didn't present this plan for here specifically is exactly how I'm going to distance myself from my company. Uh, And so but when you talk to uh, Donald Trump about this, he says he said at his first press conference, I believe, after the uh, inauguration or after he was elected, he said, voters don't care about seeing my tax returns. Only journalists do. But we know from public polling that's not true. Majority of Republicans want to see those tax returns. And so he also – but when you do talk to Trump, people who voted for Donald Trump, uh, you hear, you know, what he does with his business. I don't think it will impact the way he runs the country. He's already rich. Why would he try to enrich himself further?
1: He also said at the news conference – Because rich
3: people are just happy with what they have. They never want more.
1: Never want more. No, 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 no. (laughs) No. uh he, at the At the famous news conference where he announced how he was handling separating himself from his business, where he announced he's not going to divest, and they had he had his attorney there, if you recall. what struck me about that news conference is after she was finished, he came back up and said, "So there they are, Donald and eric Jr. or Donald jr and Eric they're the ones now who are in charge. Um, I won't have anything to do with it, but at the end of my time as president." We'll find out what what a good job they've done. And they better have done a good job, you know, meaning because he expects to make a lot of money, continue to make a lot of money out of the Trump empire, even though he may not actually see it and know how much. Well, Until four years from now. Yeah. That
7: statement was very on brand. You know, he he was referencing his old catchphrase. You know, you're fired. He'll fire them if they don't do a good job. <laughs> Whether or not that suggests there's much distance between them, I don't know.
1: Now, related to Ivanka, not that I'm blaming her for this, is there is also, there's, so there's the Trump empire. There's also the Kushner empire. I mean, that marriage was a marriage between two big real estate you know, blockbuster firms in New York, the Kushners and the Trumps, right? Right. right. So the Kushner family has its own continuing business uh, interests, including one great big uh, new high-rise, high-end condo in uh, building in uh, Jersey City, which they're raising money for around the world. Uh, and it was reported just a couple of days ago that they had a, a big. Um, uh, show and tell in Beijing to attract Chinese investors, and Jared Kushner's sister gives the pitch to these investors. First, if they pay invest five hundred thousand dollars, they get an HB five visa, so they can come to the United States, and then eventually apply for citizenship. Uh, and on the uh, there were journalists there took some photos of this. You know, in back of her is an image of Donald Trump. And Jared Kushner. So the, the the idea is, you know, you invest with us. You're investing with the president of the United States and Jared Kushner. I mean, talk about blatant, you know, selling of the first family in the White House.
7: We had a reporter there who was asked to leave. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and the, the public relations person who was handling the event had told them, this is not the story we want. And so we don't really know what happened there beyond what similar events to what you just described, but we had a researcher asked to leave, our, our person in China asked to leave. Um, it's just, the common theme here is that there's not a lot of transparency.
1: But there was, it, this was a public meeting, right? I mean, for, they put the word out for investors, anybody who is interested in maybe putting some money in this project, right? They had this thing at this hotel. I mean, these happen all the time around the country where people were with an IPO or a project, and are looking to raise capital, you know, you see them advertise sometimes, you know, or show up at the hotel, and we'll tell you all about this project. You can put your money in, but so the reporters showed up, and then were escorted out.
7: <laughs> well, yes, uh, they were told to leave, and and you see that um, around activities or events that are related to Donald Trump's family or Donald Trump. You know, we we had something similar happen at the Trump Hotel in D.C. It was an event for people to come on by, um, and journalists were not permitted entry. So the the relationship between the public or business people or the press has just been different with um, this administration and people surrounding this administration. Yeah.
1: Danielle Paquette is with us from the Washington Post, uh, WashingtonPost.com, dot com, of course. Um, I was, we have a, a couple of the other stories that brought our attention. I wanted to ask you about uh, a lot of talk about pre existing conditions, of course, with the House uh, health care bill now in the Senate. Uh, and um, what, so, how do you define a pre existing condition? You've talked about bringing, just being a mother. Could right. be a pre-existing condition, what do you mean?
7: So, before 2010, before the Affordable Care Act, insurers could charge women more for insurance if they were pregnant, had been pregnant, the condition of being a mom as you point out was a pre-existing condition. And then um President having
1: children was a pre-existing condition? It
7: could be. There was no there was no real way to limit what insurers could define as a pre-existing condition. And so a lot of Democrats were out there saying this is discriminatory because only one gender ever deals with this uh, particular condition. And so with Obamacare, um, there was a new I rule. Mean, I
1: don't see – maybe I'm missing something. I don't see being um, pregnant at the same level as having cancer.
7: Right. Well, a, a lot of right? people didn't know about well, what this. What
1: am I missing here? Yeah. <laughs> there, but insurers could put it, in effect, put it on the same – level
7: right yeah. right they could consider that uh, a reason to hike the premium
1: and Obamacare did away with that
7: yeah Obamacare uh, did away with the practice of charging people more for having ha- having a pre-existing condition it, it,
1: it, and, but, and, and and I just want to follow that through so this new legislation which gets allows states to get rid of this pre-existing condition requirement would means they could go back to charging women more just because they're pregnant. It's right?
7: tricky, and for some people, that is a possibility. What this new legislation does is allow states to yes. opt out of a federal right. rule that would have required insurers not to act like that.
3: Who's fighting for that? Like, who, who wants that? You know what I mean? Like, why go there? And what's their rationale for going there?
7: I've heard it's a funding thing. Uh, it's a way to help pay for this this uh, new law they are aiming for, you know? It's a, uh,
1: But it's also a way to for insurance companies to gouge the public again, go back to gouging the public, and particularly women, where they used to charge women more just because they were women for insurance, pregnant or not. Uh, and this goes back to those days when the insurance companies were in charge. Who's fighting for it? The big insurance companies are fighting for it. And idiots like that, Congressman Labrador, right, who said that nobody ever died. Nobody ever died because they lacked health insurance. Because of lack of health
3: care. Yeah.
7: Well. It's total garbage. Paul Ryan has explained that no one with a pre-existing condition under this under this bill under this uh, would-be law would could lose their health insurance. He's saying that, and no one will face a premium increase as long as they have what he called, I believe, continuous coverage. If you don't lose your insurance at any point you could keep your rate. However, if you lose your job in a state that has decided to opt out of the former federal rule, then you, you might re-enter the market and face much higher costs. And in the case of pregnancy, those costs, according to a cap report, could be a $17,000 premium.
5: Jesus.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'll say it. You don't have to say it. Paul Ryan is lying. <laughs> uh, any, anybody who says that the Republican plan doesn't make any change in pre existing conditions or that everybody with a pre existing condition will be covered is simply lying. That's not what the bill says, and anybody who's read the bill. Period. Uh, period. <laughs> Thank you. Period. But, um, this headline Bosses believe your work skills will soon be useless.
7: <laughs> I'm sorry to have written this, everyone. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, Great. More good news. <laughs>
7: Yeah, so Pew came out with a report recently, and you've heard this talk of automation gobbling up the jobs. So, oh, yeah. A lot
1: of it. We've had people in here talking about it. Right. So. It's a
7: hot topic, you know? Um, and we, so what they did is they talked to a bunch of bosses, hiring managers, executives, academics across the country, and these people just had very little faith that the American workforce will successfully update its skills in time for these these new labor market demands. And the skills they're looking for are, yes, technology skills, um, being able to work with a computer, being able to code, being able to work with a computer and another human. But they also want to see more stronger social skills because somewhat counterintuitively in the age of robots, humans who get jobs will have to be able to work better, communicate better with other humans. That is our skill that a robot can't replicate. So there is... <laughs> a lot to unpack there.
1: You know, well, there is, but, but there's also sort of a, um, a silver cloud here, a silver lining to the cloud, right, which is that the robots can't replace everything that we do. It's right? true. Every skill, That there will still be a need for a few.
7: Mm. Artificial it, intelligence can't have empathy, for example. You, Robots cannot predict how a human is going to respond. Or how to best communicate to a human. Or how to create an environment where everyone is at their most productive. That's where we come in with our emotions and stuff.
1: Wow. (laughs) Isn't it comforting to know there's some things that robots can't do?
7: Yeah, like I haven't gotten to the point
3: where I will rely on uh, Siri on my phone, right? Because it's just not accurate enough. It doesn't do what I want it to do.
6: I never use Siri. I don't either. I hate it. I mean, so, I rely on GPS. That's a little bit different, but I was going
1: to say, I, no, I never used Siri either. I never got into it. But, but to quote, but to I,
3: quote Leo Gerard when we had him on the show, and he said, uh, if, "If I want to go, Leo
1: Gerard, president of the Steelworkers Union,
3: if I want to go and get yeah. a hamburger, I'm not going to order one from a goddamn robot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, that's fair." But you know what? You basically do. Yeah, we are. You d- yeah, these days many, get used yeah. to many. Mm. Yeah. You it's to, depressing. If you go through a drive-through, right? Aren't you ordering from a robot?
3: Um, well, or if you usually... go to
1: if you go to a to, to any of these fast food places that you punch in your. It's order, more and
3: more automated. Yeah, it's absolutely more and more automated.
6: Great.
1: We're there. Yeah. Yeah. We're there. Uh, I I uh, J- Jamie, to your point, I do depend on Waze. I use Waze, not GPS. But uh, Waze can. It's great. It's great. Swear by it, but it can also make mistakes.
6: There is, by the way, an all automated restaurant downtown in D.C. called Itza, which I oh, still yeah. have not been to. I haven't gone there either. Uh, where there's, as far as I know, there's no employees at least out on the floor. You order your your meal on a computer, and then it's served to you out of a window, I believe. So that's the thing that actually appeals to
3: me. It's got
1: good reviews because too. Of my
3: dislike of most people, but I also think it. <laughs> I also think it's a terrible business.
1: Yeah, you mentioned the steel workers. Um Donald Trump got into a little tiff with some steel workers at the carrier plant out in uh, in is Indiana isn't it
7: Yeah my home Did, state
1: really and yeah. he said he was saving all these jobs the, and and he took on the leader of the <laughs> of the, the of the union there and was uh, and but you've written about that it's all kind of come back, the union leader taking on Donald Trump now or what's going on?
7: Yeah, yeah. So back in December when Donald Trump he this was supposed to be his moment of um, fulfilling a campaign promise. It was initially seen as this wide success. And Donald Trump visited the carrier plant, which had planned to move a bunch of jobs to Mexico and said, hey, yeah. I've saved, you know, over a thousand of these jobs. Right. And there's a union leader in the crowd, a guy named Chuck Jones, who just thought, what? Mm-hmm. No, you you haven't saved a thousand jobs. You'd saved closer to seven hundred and thirty. But five hundred of our people are still going to Mexico. So he raised his hand and he said that. And uh, I talked to him, actually, and then CNN picked it up. And next thing you know, Donald Trump is tweeting about Chuck Jones saying <laughs> "This is a terrible year. In Indianapolis, and Chug is just this guy who considers himself working class, and didn't even have a smartphone. He had a flip phone, so he had to hear, hear right. from a friend that the president of the United States had slammed him on this Do website he'd never heard of Twitter. For the, uh, yeah. yeah, it Nokia was a, flip. it was wild. So um, anyway, this comes up again this week because Donald Trump is tweeting about another company that Jones um, represents called Rexnord. It's a mile away from Carrier. It uh-huh. makes steel ball bearings bunch of the people there are steel workers. Yes. And uh, he's saying, it's John, Donald Trump says something like, this company is still moving to Mexico. It happened, the deal was made while Obama was in office. You know, I'm going to slap this with some taxes. And so the Rexnord employees said, hey, you could have done something to stop this like carrier, but you didn't. You've known about this for a month. Mm-hmm. What's the deal? And that was what was happening out of Indianapolis this week.
1: Well, God forbid that anybody hold Donald Trump to the facts, right? Or yeah, to the right. truth. Or to actually deliver on what he promises, man. Uh, so much to talk about. So much to keep up on. Which is why we uh, value the good work of uh, Danielle Paquette and your colleagues at the Washington Post. Thank you. Thank you for being there. Thanks for coming in today. It's was was- It's WashingtonPost.com, of course. Adam Smith, director of Every Voice, uh, Stepping in for the next half hour, stay with us here on The Bill Press Show Wednesday, May 10.
4: Is it too late now to ask him to step down? No, it's not too late, but, you know, I have confidence in him. We'll see what happens. You know, it's it's going to be interesting.
2: Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com
1: slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, here we are on Wednesday, May 10, uh, here in our nation's capitals, where we start out. We end up right alongside of you, coast to coast here on uh, The Bill Press Show. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining us on YouTube. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show on Facebook. Free Speech TV, and on the great WCPT out in Chicago. Brought to you today by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, good men and women of the Teamsters Union, President Jim Hoffa leading the the charge. Uh, Check out their website at teamster.org. Yes, indeed, the big news of the day. It is the firing of James Comey as director of the FBI. Uh, should have been fired by Barack Obama, in my opinion. Instead, he was fired by the wrong person for the wrong reasons, Donald Trump says. Uh, They're trying to want us to believe that he fired Comey because of um, his treatment, that he was too mean to Hillary Clinton. (laughs) It wasn't that at all. He fired James Comey because Comey uh, was ratcheting up the investigation into the Trump connections to uh, Trump. Crowds' connections to Russia and possible collusion in the uh, invest in the um, election of 2016, and Donald Trump wanted to get rid of him the same way that Richard Nixon wanted to get rid and did get rid of Archibald Cox back in 1973. Adam Smith from Every Voice joins us to talk about the implications of this for this next half hour. Hey, Adam. Good. Hey, to see you. thanks for having me. Welcome back. Thank you. All right, I've been in the studio for a while.
3: Can I, I- want to. I'm sorry, but I don't want you to interrupt. I just have to read this one little detail. This is in the Washington Post this morning about the Comey stuff. Yes. Because Sean Spicer. Oh, I know what it is. You know what this is? Yeah. Sean Spicer addressed the media about this last night, but he did it in a very Spicer-esque way. This is how the Washington Post <laughs> writes it. After Spicer spent several minutes hidden in the bushes behind the TV sets, an executive assistant in the press office emerged and told reporters that Spicer would answer some questions as long as he was not filmed doing so. Spicer then emerged. Just turn the lights off. Turn the lights off, he ordered. We'll take care of this. Just turn that light off. Spicer got his wish and was soon standing in near darkness between two tall hedges with more than a dozen reporters gathered closely around him. For 10 minutes, he responded to a flurry of questions, vacillating between lighthearted sides and clear frustration with getting the same questions over and over again. So he demanded that they turn the lights off and not be filmed.
0: Have you ever seen that Simpsons episode where Homer like just fades back into a hedge? Yeah.
3: That's exactly what it writes. That That's Spicer. <laughs> Democracy literally died in the darkness.
0: Yes. <laughs> turn the lights off.
1: Sean Spicer in the bushes. In the bushes. In the, in yeah. the White House bushes. Always yes. watching. Uh, whoa, that is scary. Uh, and we are saying this is not the first time. It's only the second time, however, that a president has acted to axe somebody who was investigating his administration. The first time, of course, nineteen seventy-three, Richard Nixon firing Archibald Cox, and then Elliot Richardson, Attorney General, and uh, William Ruckelshaus, the deputy, both resigned rather than carry out the right. order. Uh, here is that you want to chills up your spine. John Chancellor, NBC News, October 10, 1973.
4: Good evening. The country tonight is in the midst of what may be the most serious constitutional crisis in its history. The president has fired the special Watergate prosecutor, Archibald Cox. Because of the president's action, the attorney general has resigned. Elliot Richardson has quit, saying he cannot carry out Mr. Nixon's instructions
1: and Chancellor uh, talking about what this means for the country.
4: All of this adds up to a totally unprecedented situation. Nothing like this has ever happened before.
1: Well, it's happened again. Isn't that chilling to hear that?
0: Yeah, yeah. and I'm glad you brought up Ruckel's house um, and, uh, and Richardson. Uh, and Richardson, because nobody resigned instead of firing in this in this time, right? You know, uh, Rosenstein yeah. wrote yeah. this letter that clearly- the, What's clear with the Trump administration is he makes a claim, and then people have to back it up. And that's what was happening here. They weren't working- uh, They were working backward. Trump wanted to fire him, so they had to find reasons to do it. Hey,
1: and the, the, it's, the New York Times reports this morning that Trump- Gave, told Jeff Sessions, you know, Comey's got to go. Give me some reasons for yeah. doing it.
0: And Jeff Sessions, that is also really troubling because he said, "I'm going to recuse myself from the Russia investigation." And and him in him saying the guy in charge of the Russia investigation should be fired, he is inserting himself right in the middle of it.
1: Good point. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, uh, and now Rosenstein, <clears throat> pardon me, is sort of like in charge. Of the yeah. Rush of the supposedly of the Russian investigation, but Jeff by by firing Comey, Jeff Sessions has violated his own
0: yeah pledge. absolutely. And I think you know Rosenstein just got I think a ninety three to zero vote, ninety three to seven vote or something in for Deputy Attorney General, and I, I really feel like he's going to need to talk about this and raises real questions about what he's doing and in putting that letter together Um because it. It's- and it just all looks really bad. It also
1: it's worth pointing out, as we did earlier, that this is not the first time that Donald Trump has acted uh, against someone who is not a total team player, if you will, or yeah. may even be looking into um, activities, actions of the uh, by Trump and the administration. Yeah. First of all, he fires Deputy Attorney General Sally Yates because she said, no, that Muslim ban is unconstitutional on the face of it. We're not going to enforce it, yep. number one. Number two, the U.S. attorney up in New York, Preet Bahara, who had started uh, a little criminal investigation into conflicts mm-hmm. of interest. It's his jurisdiction, it's Trump Tower. It's His jurisdiction is Trump Tower. They fired Preet Bahara, now yeah. firing James Comey. But it's, it's pretty clear, this idea that they fired him because comey was too mean to hillary clinton is on the face of it ludicrous
0: it's ridiculous i mean if there if you look at anything, you know, you have you basically can look at any Trump staffer tweeting like lock her up chants yeah. or hashtags yeah. about Hillary yeah. Clinton. So that they would then come people like Kellyanne Poles, or Kellyanne Poles, that's her Twitter uh. account. <laughs> Kellyanne, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway or Sarah Huckabee Sanders would come out and say, "Oh, this is because he undermined." It. Or even Roger Stone said the same thing. It's just not believable. This is clearly about Russia and uh, the investigation in and how Trump wanted to shut it down. You know, there's the political article this morning that actually talks about that is Trump keeps watching all this news and is just mad that this investigation isn't going away. So the president just tried to shut it down. And that's just really chilling to me.
1: Right. Um, by the way, uh, again, um, sort of undercutting this claim by the White House that it has, this had anything to do with Hillary. Uh, in, in last October 28, when Comey reopens the He announces he's reopening the Hillary Clinton investigation, which turned out to be nothing, except it did probably uh, change the course of history for this country, meaning that probably more than anything else uh, led to Hillary's defeat. Jeff Sessions praised Comey, said it was, yes, it was Comey's duty to release this. And, Jamie, if we can, then Donald Trump at the time also went out to praise James Comey for what he had done.
4: It took guts for Director Comey to make the move that he made, in light of the kind of opposition he had, where they're trying to protect her from criminal prosecution, you know that.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: I think in this administration, so now nothing to say, matters. Oh,
1: that was terrible for him to do that to Hillary. So I'm firing him because of that. Yeah. You know that.
0: <laughs> I. I think our baseline should be that anything, any decision this administration makes should be it's one that it should. The decision was based on what's best for Trump, what's best for his family, or what's best for the people who are funding the administration. And anything they say should not be taken um, uh, should be taken with a grain of salt.
1: What do you see? Um uh, now happens to this Russian investigation, sure. the FBI investigation.
0: Well, you know, Republican, some Republican senators came out with... Strong words last night, and it'll be interesting to see if they'll follow that up with action. Um, you know or you'll have something like Marco Rubio when he really went after Rex Tillerson in that in his confirmation hearing and then approved like voted for him, right? Will uh, Richard Burr, Senator McCain, uh, Ben Sass, all those people call for an actual independent investigation um, McCain has. Yes, continue to make that call. Actually, get the Justice Department to do it. Um, I'm really looking at Richard Burr, um, who's leading uh, that committee. Yeah,
1: yeah. We read the Richard Burr tweets earlier. I was just going to say, why don't you pull that up again? Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, There's and point, whether then. he's
0: actually going to do it. I mean, these th- the congressional investigations um, uh, require good faith on parts of both parties to to make them work, right? And what we've seen is the Republicans aren't that interested in actually doing a thorough investigation. So it remains to be seen if they're actually serious about it and whether they'll make it happen. But the Senate, what's clear is that Senate investigation is not enough. They need an independent investigation um, or Uh, Even a special prosecutor, the the Justice Department can call for those, um, and it should do it. You know, the
3: the, senators came out and sort of beat up on Donald Trump after the Access Hollywood tape came out, right? And that lasted five to ten days before some of them reversed course and either re-endorsed him or said they were voting for him or not endorsing. But you have these guys like uh, McCain or Jeff Flake or Ben's ass who have all come (laughs) out and said, like— Stuck up for Comey a little bit, but I think Richard Burr gets right to the point. I'll just read his tweets really quickly. From yesterday, I am troubled by the timing and reasoning of Director Comey's termination. I have found Director Comey to be a public servant of the highest order. His dismissal further confuses an already difficult investigation by the committee. In my interactions with the director, with the bureau under his leadership, he and the FBI have always been straightforward with our committee. Director Comey has been more forthcoming with information than any FBI director, I can recall in my tenure on the congressional intel committees, his dismissal I believe is a loss for the bureau and the nation. So, like, he put himself way out there yeah. on Comey.
0: Yeah, right? and, and yeah, and this is a real test for Senate Republicans. Do are they going to put the country first? Are are uh, democratic rule of law first? So, are they going to roll over for Trump? And I think it remains to be seen what's going to happen over the next couple months.
1: The the comments by. By Burr, get to a point that Niels N- Lesniewski from um, Roll Call made earlier on the program, that senators saw Comey as the most accessible and the most helpful and cooperative FBI director they've ever dealt with. Yeah. And that, that the, there's a lot of um, contact and sharing of information between the FBI and the Senate. So they were working together, basically. And so this pulls the rug out from under both the FBI investigation and the Senate investigation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are real questions about Comey's handling of the situation. I think we yeah, all agree that he mishandled total. the situation, yeah. but the president Seriously, of I the think United Barack States Obama should have fired him yeah. last
1: October. Yeah. I, but. I,
0: but the president of the United States should not be able to fire the man in charge of the investigation into him. And that just is so chilling and raises so many questions and it's really important for our democracy that this is handled thoroughly, comprehensively and we get to the bottom of it.
1: By the way, it, it's worth pointing out again, as others have, that in his letter, oh man, right, letter. that this letter uh, to um, Director Comey, uh, Donald Trump says, while I greatly appreciate you informing me, should be your informing me on three separate occasions. <laughs> th- I'm sorry.
3: You just know. Okay, I, I love it. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I
1: mean, he doesn't even know the freaking English language. I just language. think it's funny. I just All think right. it's funny. On three separate so cases, that I am not under investigation. I nevertheless concur, blah, 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 blah. Comey has not said that yeah. Donald Trump is not under investigation. That is a lot letter things We don't a... know. Yeah. We know Paul Manafort is. We know Michael Flynn is. We know- you know, other Jeff Sessions, yeah. maybe himself, Jared Kushner. Yeah. But if they are, so's Donald Trump.
0: Yeah. The sure. FBI should not be telling the president privately about this anyway. Talking to the president privately about these investigations, that letter is going to be in history books. It's going to yeah. be, it is, it is wild. That that second paragraph is just wild.
1: I know. I heard uh, Anderson Cooper asking Kellyanne Conway last night, when. Did Comey tell the president that she couldn't answer it? Would not answer it. Yeah. I I doubt. I doubt. I, I'm going to be at the briefing today with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yeah. Uh, you know, everybody's going to be asking that too. They cannot answer that question. No. That did not happen. They're just going to read statements from Chuck that.
0: Schumer about why Comey's bad. That's going to be the entire briefing. Yep.
1: Yeah. Right. Sure.
0: And it's like it's important that well, I, I mean, think.
1: Let's face it, Democrats didn't like Comey because of what he did to Hillary. Yeah. Right. Donald Trump didn't like Comey because he's what he's doing to him.
0: Uh, yeah, I think we can have two thoughts in our head that both Comey is bad yes. and mishandled the cl- yeah, situation right. with Clinton, and, and that the president shouldn't fire the head it. of his investigation. That's what it all it's comes down to. It's perfectly fine to have those two thoughts. Yeah, right. And Republicans they are, they who say you can't are acting in bad faith. Yeah. People right. like John Cornyn are acting in bad faith.
3: Yeah. James Comey probably unfit to be FBI director. Yeah. Donald Trump should not get to make that decision. That's absolutely right. right. And that's it.
1: Right. That's
3: the crux of the argument.
1: Dare I ask about something else on such a a day? I mean, But there are a couple of other things I wanted to get to uh, while we still have a little bit of time, and that is, one is this whole just enormous series of conflicts of interest on the part of Donald Trump and Donald Jr. and Eric and Ivanka, and now Jared Kushner and the Kushner family, who are also trying to... Like everybody else, there profit from the White House to make as much money as they can for the little time that they're there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I so, mean,
1: so this Kushner thing in China.
0: Sure. So, I mean, let's be clear. This is the same story as the Comey story. The, the Trump corruption, their conflicts of interest, is no different from the Comey story. This is this about the stink of corruption sort of emanating from the White House, and they're they're abusing their power. Um. So, uh, there are a series of stories this weekend about uh, the Kushner family. Kushner, Jared Kushner, uh, senior advisor to the president, Ivanka's husband, um, was at was in China. Sister was in China to pitch, uh, Chinese investors on a building in New Jersey, uh, uh, using the EB five visa plan. Uh, EB five is this uh, plan that allows um, uh, foreign investors to get. Uh, uh, visas in the US, and it's generally abused by wealthy people and does not benefit everyone else. And uh, his sister gets up at this presentation, this ballroom, and uh, Offering, t- trying to encourage people to invest in this building in New Jersey, and at the presentation, like on the screen behind her, are pictures of Donald Trump, are pictures of Jared Kushner, um, and they came back and said, "Oh, that we did not mean that." <laughs> yeah. And it's just not believable. I mean, throughout history, we think
1: seen, we are idiots yeah, to believe that. It's just not believable.
0: Yeah. They're benefiting they pre- off their they connections. They prepared
1: all of that material for their presentation. They were selling the White House, they were selling Jared Kushner, they were selling Donald
0: Trump. And the thing is, as his sister was flying to Beijing, uh, Trump signed legislation that extended this program. So it just was happening all at the same time. And um, you know the thing that we've seen in countries around the world, corrupt, you know, countries around the world, is people use the family as a way into the administration. This is this is happens all the time around <laughs> yeah, the world. Yeah. It just usually doesn't happen in the United By States. The way, that was
1: a big beef in Afghanistan. Remember? Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I think that uh, what you're seeing is this. Um, so. It, whether the Kushners are saying that this is about them, this, they're not benefiting, they're just, you know, doing their own thing, doing their business, Jared isn't involved, that's not how other countries see it. Yeah. You know, these investors in China know that if they buy, uh, if they invest in this building, that means they're going to have access to the Kushners. And who knows, maybe they get invites to Mar-a-Lago. You know, they're a Trump business partners at inauguration. You know, all these people are going to get access to the president and it's going it to puts this cloud of corruption over the administration and what makes you wonder whether when the president signs things like the EB-5 extension, whether he's doing it because it's in the best interest of the American people or it's in the best interest of his bank account.
1: Well, I never knew about the EB-5 program, I must admit, yeah, until this. Okay. But the idea that foreign <laughs> investors... Can buy in a in a sense buy that's what they're five, this was five hundred thousand dollars you spend five hundred thousand dollars you get an EB five visa which means you can come to the United States. And you can apply for citizenship if you're if you're here for a few yeah. years.
0: I mean, this is outrageous. It's ridiculous, and it was sort of and created of as these, a job creation per, program, right? Yep.
1: Eighty percent of these go to wealthy Chinese.
0: Yeah, it was created as a jobs program. You know, if you do this investment, you have to hire like at least ten American workers, but they don't have to be hired permanently. And so, really, it has just become a way for wealthy foreign investors to get their visas in America.
1: Right. And by the way, what's the money going for? I mean, if you're getting that foreign money into this country you're not using it to expand broadband you know to parts of the yeah. country that don't have any internet service right now, or you're not using it to rebuild schools and urban areas or you're not using it to, uh, whatever right yeah, if you're, you're using it t- for to build a high rise High-end condominium project in Jersey City. Yeah,
0: that's right. It's, Forget it's, it. Right. It's. I mean, it's. It's it reminds me For of the all Kushner the family. of all the like Russian oligarchs and stuff that sit their money in, in condos in New York City, so they don't yeah. have to like pay taxes on it. It just yeah. reminds me just of that. It's not helping regular people. No. Um, By the way, uh,
3: just a little bit of. A, 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 Go back to the whole uh, Comey thing. But Kellyanne Conway just spoke about this. I just wanted to tell you oh. where they stand on it.
1: Yeah, I saw her out there this morning. But they're putting her out there. They must be desperate.
3: Yeah. Quote, you want to question the timing of when POTUS hires and when he fires. It's inappropriate. He'll do it when he wants to.
0: So here's a tweet from Kellyanne Conway All right. in, there on we are, October 29th. Oh, um, yes. Astonished mm-hmm. by the all-out assault on Comey by Team Clinton, <laughs> suggesting he is a partisan, interfering with the election is dangerous and unfair. <laughs> I mean, these people are all, there's, every every, some, every time someone of the Trump administration says something, just go back a couple months and yeah. find them saying the opposite. Yeah,
3: exactly. It's like clockwork. There is a Trump tweet to contradict Absolutely. literally every single thing that he says. I, he's tweeted about everything for years.
0: Yeah, yeah. And well, it's just like if this isn't about the timing, this isn't about the whether the president can fire somebody. This is about like the rule of law, and he is undermining it.
1: Um, Adam Smith, our guest here. And Adam, I must say, you look uh, so refreshed, <laughs> so well-fed, <laughs> so relaxed. <laughs> and now I find out you've just got back from France, and you were there Sunday uh, (laughs) single-handedly responsible for the great victory of Emmanuel Macron. What was it like in Paris? Yeah, I will say
0: I was eating crepes, not... Canvassing, but um, yeah, so it was actually really great. I went to a watch party with some French guys. Uh, I thanked them for saving liberal democracy, and then I saw the crowd gathering at the Louvre because that's where Macron's yeah, Macron? yeah. Macron
1: Macron Macron's, Macron
0: uh, Macron Macron um, his party was. So and my hotel was not far from there, so I, I took the subway, went over the Louvre, and it was incredible. They're yeah. they're playing all this loud music. People were like <laughs> dancing. They were like waving flags, and it was just yeah. like this real sense. Of energy. it was this big diverse crowd, young old, black white, everybody just so excited that you know they defeated a fascist. Um, one of my favorite pictures is there's I was walking around and there's this um, sort of older, very put together French woman smoking a cigarette and just bopping around to like Titanium by David Guetta that was playing on the <laughs> like the the loud system. And it was just it, it was really great. It felt really great to be there and to be with all of that energy.
1: And your friends were uh, were they active in the campaign at all, or that, or
0: no? I don't think so. They were just all there, and it was also really interesting just to watch the election, French elections are, well, but they
1: were obviously happy with the result. Absolutely,
0: absolutely, everybody was really happy with the result. Um, I mean, uh, he won
3: in a in a big way. Yeah. So there were a lot of happy. I people.
0: will say, I had to explain to them how American elections work, and going because they get basically their nationalized system. Yeah. Um, they get they get a a, a sample of all the areas. Um, before the polls close, then they make a projection based on who wins with that sample. Then through the night, it adjusts it a little bit, so they know at eight or eight, eight, 8 P. M. that right between sixty two huh. and sixty five percent of uh, people were going to vote for Macron. It was just going to adjust that. Oh, wow. and I had to explain to them, well, you know, our elections are done by county, and each state laws are different, yeah. and uh, and they're like, what? I was like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs>
1: No, but uh, the, the 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 margin was overwhelming. Yeah. And she got less than forty percent. Yeah, which her people had always said, you get less than forty percent, you might as well forget it, about it. It's a
0: little concerning that her dad got like twenty uh, percent of the vote and she got yeah. like thirty-five. So that's yeah. a little concerning. But yeah. uh, what matters is that she lost. It's
1: yeah. also con- the, uh, concerning that um, that FP uh, is going to. That's what it is, right? The, front the, national, front. Yeah. Yeah, and, the national front. Yeah, national front is going to be a force in the parliamentary elections right. because he is a man without a party. Right. You know, he won, but he won like on his own. Yeah. And now he's going to have to cobble together enough support from anybody other than the National Front to try to put together yeah, the a election, government.
0: Yeah, the parliamentary elections are in a couple of weeks, and usually what happens is the president sweeps into power, also sweeps in seats in parliament. But because he was independent from an outside party, nobody really knows what's going to happen.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it what it really did is, it's it, yeah, yeah, I know. But it broke the trend, <laughs> yeah, which a lot of people felt Brexit first, and then Donald Trump that that nationalist, extremist kind of wave was going yeah. to wash over Europe. Stopped it in the Netherlands. Stopped it in Austria. Now stopped it in France, and it looks like maybe stopped it for good.
0: Yeah, let's hope.
1: Yeah, uh, but so it was a huge victory with implications. Uh, Repercussions far, far beyond France. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All of my friends, too, I heard from in Paris and in Marseille uh, the night of the vote were just ecstatic. Yeah. You know, that, uh, a big sigh of relief.
0: They yeah, were, it was fun. I mean, I was walking back to my hotel uh, as people were still ex- pouring must exciting in. exciting to be there. People were yeah. still pouring in as I was walking back to my hotel, mm-hmm. and people were honking, walking, like cars driving down the street, yeah. cheering, waving the flags. It was great.
3: People were walking in the streets openly sobbing like it was here the day after our <laughs> uh, election. Yeah. You know, right. I was like
0: a zombie walking walking down U Street at like 11 p.m. Yeah. that night. No, cool. that was surreal.
1: All right. Vive la France. Adam Smith, thanks so much for coming in bringing us up to date on lots of things here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, and that's it, folks. The rest of the day is all yours. Have a great Wednesday. Come back again tomorrow bright and early. You know, we'll be looking for
2: you. This is The Bill Press Show.